You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Well, for those of you that don't know, this is Andy Prasky. That's Chris Rooney in green. Um, welcome to the Real Estate uh, Radio Hour on Facebook. Um, it's our 12th show, so thanks for joining us again. We, uh, we've got some uh, real estate stuff we want to talk about today. One of them was we were trying to figure out this year, what are the three main reasons why buyers, um, home buyers, would be willing to purchase a house this year with all this crazy going on? And uh, this is a couple of things that we came up with. Um, LendingTree actually did a survey for us to make this easy for us. And they basically, as I'll read the screen to you, the results indicated 53% of all home buyers um, are more likely to buy a home in the next year, even admit that the current uh, health crisis. The survey further revealed that uh, naming several reasons why they were willing to move. And so these were kind of the, what I like to find is the motivation behind the 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 reason, right? Um, so no shocker here, Chris. I think it's surprising that, that that's number one too, though. I mean, I think there's a couple other reasons that we're going to talk about that uh, yeah. I think have to factor in to do that. But I suppose if you got to pick one, uh, this is actually a very, very large uh, reason why people are doing it. And if you're locking into rates that you know, somewhere under 3% for 30 years, uh, that's a pretty good uh, long-term play. Right. Agreed. Yeah, that um, for sure. So, um, all right. So then we kind of keep moving on here with the rates being low. And you can kind of see from the those of us that have bought houses in the past, um, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, as they go along, these were the rates we were seeing. So I think a lot of times too, the media, you know, you hear rates are up, rates are down, rates are up, and they nobody really knows what that means because they're not quoting the rate. And so this is just kind of a quick snapshot inside view as to what, what they're talking about behind the, the hype. Um, reduced spending. Now, this is one that I personally enjoyed the most, plus <laughs> not having my family go out to eat uh, five, six nights a week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I joke, but I mean, in all seriousness, um, people have been able to save money over the last couple months with the sheltering in place. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of saved expenses as well when it comes down to like commuting and uh, getting on the, uh, obviously the the different uh, um, things that you have to do, um, dry cleaning, um, again, entertaining, gasoline, car expenses, whatever that people have been able to save. Um, and this is where we think the money, the source of the cash on top of, you know, some of the dollars that have been distributed out there with the uh, PPP, um, small business and whatever else that's going to get people down payment cash um, and or the ability to pay their own closing costs. So I'll tell you what, I saw, I saw this firsthand too. I mean, my credit card is usually a very healthy amount every month. And yep. uh, my wife was like, Oh my gosh, there's something, something going on. What happened? And uh, I mean, my credit card was way down. So yeah. So a lot of, uh, I didn't realize I ate out six times a day. It was kind of crazy. But yeah, um, you support a lot of families that uh, fraudulently use your card. Yeah. I have a yeah, couple that's of another thing. That's another thing I got. My my credit card now shoots me every time it gets charged. Sure. And so, yeah, so now it's kind of funny. So my wife will give me a, a pre-text and say, hey, 
I'm uh, I, I'm getting this thing. It's just it's hilarious because I one time I said, you know, hey, is this yours or I'm I'm trying to make sure all these charges are right. And now right. she thinks I'm watching her spend money. It's awesome. You you uh you're displaying a control freak side of you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which it's is very which good. is very flattering. Um, okay, so spending time at home, this is no shocker. Again, gives us a chance to realize that some of our spaces probably aren't exactly what we need. Um, you know, I've been showing some of our new houses where there's little desks, you know, in the houses and little homework stations or lockers or, um, you know, there's offices or more than one office in the house. And in the past, a lot of people would look at that and go, I don't need this space. You know, turn this into a wine fridge area or something. And, and nowadays they're like, well... Under the current situation, maybe we'll slide the wine fridge under the desk and, uh, you know, have it so it can do both. You know, just or, in case you or get the wine fridge like three times as big. Yeah. You have to, yeah. But you're you're totally right on, Andy. And I'll tell you what, we've been going out to, you know, people that are kind of, they're, they're ready to start getting stuff on the market again. And uh, how they had to kind of jimmy rig their place to kind of fit right. in. You know, both people working at home and then the kids being able to do their homework. I mean, there's yeah. some houses that there's five people that need desk areas, six people, you know, you have four kids that are going to school. And just think about that as far as the computers. I mean, in the technology, you know, everyone. Well, has- I even evaluated our bandwidth on the house and everything, because if everybody's also connected in and everybody's trying to download forms and files and upload to websites and and uh, started really challenging the the connectivity in your own home. And so, um, which was good. So I was interested. I got, uh, you know, uh, your modems and your, uh, for your, your Wi-Fi and your routers, yep. you know, and I don't know what you do with that. Um, but the, at, in prior Lake, we have, uh, a just, I mean, our, our choices are really the telephone company or Mediacom, yeah. And, uh, they're just saying that their their routers and Wi-Fi things are not that good. And so now I ordered them and what a difference of having your own. So if you're having problems with that, it's a it's a good route which to go. It's gonna cost you more up front, but then yeah. you're not renting those things as well. Yeah. Because the extenders, what I found out about the extenders, see, this is a tech show too. What I found out about the extenders is that sometimes your Wi-Fi connects off to one of those, uh, one of the extenders and it's not pulling enough and you're on the edge of that one, but you can be in this one. And it's a total screwed up thing with how they do those extenders. So you get these satellite ones. So see, mm-hmm. just a little something for you there. Andy. Yeah, we did those uh, a couple of years back. We did the Google um, version of that where it re-broadcasts throughout the house. And yeah. uh, we it made it a big difference. We had one of our, like our office, I, I thought it was fancy when I built my house and I did this like brick wall inside of our house or stone wall around the office and there's, there's uh, like um, laughing, you know, metal laugh in there that it can't get through for some reason. So like the, the old router that was down there would sit there and struggle in that room. It's the fastest in the world. So we had to get a remitter outside the room and it made it, you know, so yeah, actually using the stuff you've bought and paid for um, and testing it and uh, technology was a big part of this as well. So Buyers and sellers, though, the thing that, um, you know, the demand for housing, I think there's a couple of things that we can predict, you know, comfortably. Um, there's still going to be demand for housing, um, especially this year. It'll continue to grow um, even as things phase in and, and go. Um, taking advantage, a lot of people are just going to take advantage of the 
low interest rates. I'm seeing a lot of our, actually, I had an opportunity yesterday. I went uh, fishing with uh, Dave, um, who's been on the show before too, daily. Uh, he's a, a lender and we were talking about this and the cash out refis are still a very popular thing they're doing where people are lowering their interest rates and they're taking out a few dollars to make home improvements or, you know, buy that jet ski or whatever they're looking to do. But it's, it's all within the the tighter parameters that we have now with, with um, equities and whatever else. So, um, and then lastly, if you've ever thought of sol- selling your home, you know, and I think of, as I've been heading off to all these, you know, different graduation parties, uh, being my daughter is a graduate now um, of Champlain Park and moving on. Um, you know, if you've ever thought about selling, I, I, I my God, it, it's not even an issue. It's not a challenge. The properties will sell. I think the biggest thing we're seeing is, um, you know, the the place where you're going to go. So it, it's a great upgrade market right now. It's really hard to downsize right now. Um, but, you know, if you're going from a city house to the lake house, it's probably easy to do. Um, but, you know, it just depends on how picky you are. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I want to quantify what you said there about that it's yeah. easy. And I don't think it's easy to just sell. I think uh, there's a, a trick to getting the most amount of money that you can get. You still have to have your house in good condition. Um, and if you don't, uh, you're not going to get paid for it. You know, you're going to get a market lot of showings, right? Yeah, you're going to get a lot of opportunities to be able to impress people really quick. And that's the key. I mean, if you can create that excitement at the beginning, you know, and, and leverage that into multiple offers, which obviously drives your price up. But if you just think that you're going to throw it on the market and uh, keep your four office uh, spaces, you know, intact in and, yep. and not do your laundry and wash your dishes every day, your house is not going to sell. So right. you still have to do it. You got to do it the right way. But if you do it the right way, you're going to turn out really good. Right. I, I, I agree a million percent. But this is this is the one that I can't believe right here, Chris. I know me neither. You know what I'm saying? It's like that it 67% of the people are taking advantage of low rates, and that's the main reason why they're moving. Um, I think there's a lot of people though, too, that are just sick of paying rent. And they look at, man, if I rent this house at, you know, $2,400 a month, or I could own it for $1,400 and get a tax write-off with the interest, you know, the mortgage interest. And anyway, so. I think, I think the lowest, the, the lowest one there, the 28 percenter is the one that I think uh, is in the back of the minds of a lot of people, because I think they're looking more at their homes as not only their home, but it's their office and it's their lifestyle and it's their gym. And, you know, getting, I mean, if you're, if you're stuck in something like this, you really valued uh, having an area to be able to get away, you know, and, and be by yourself. And yes, this was all the downsizers from three years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Everybody that downsized before yeah. quarantine. Now they're like, I got to get back to my regular house, you know? <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's keep clicking away here. Um, recent Q1, this was interesting. Um, 2020 homeowner equity insights report. CoreLogic is, uh, those of you that are watching that don't follow CoreLogic, they, they do lots of statistics. They actually even provide some of the governmental agencies with their information. Um, they slice and dice the numbers. Okay. So, um, they were looking at, they're trying to find some bright spots. And one of the things that they were just pointing out is that, in 2020, the real estate market, uh, the growth in equity for homeowners is expecting, uh, they're experiencing across the U.S. is pretty significant. Um, an average of 6.5% appreciation so far in the first quarter 
which is actually a little aggressive. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see, but it's 6.5% of the, uh, of the uh, um, equity, not of the property value. Okay. So when you look here, here's a, here's a chart. I know those of you like my charts, um, the average across the U S the average homeowner this year so far has gained $9,600 for sitting at home. As my, as my kid says, that's wake up money, baby. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you guys have anybody in your house doing wake up money? Wake up money? Yeah. yeah the unemployment. I was joking. He was, he oh. was uh, serving. Oh. <laughs> let him go. And then now they're like, well, we'll call you as you, as times get better here. And uh, so a lot of yeah. kids that are um, enjoying that wake up money every day as they sleep in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That they, they don't want to get too used to that. I know no. you're, yeah, I know your kids are not like that, um, but not at all. yeah, there's a lot of them out there that uh, are very much enjoying uh, not having to, to go to work, but getting paid. And I hope that uh, ends soon. Speaking well, you know, that, my, my one little daughter who's the entrepreneur, she's the, the one that's been doing this little photography business, which she absolutely loves. So it's like she said, she goes, I love doing it. Doesn't even feel like I'm working when I'm working. And she was the one that wasn't eligible because she's, you know, self-employed in theory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Just wait, just wait until she takes my daughter's senior photos. It's really going to skyrocket. Don't double the fees. <laughs> He's got the money. Yeah. I can't wait to see what I'm going to get charged, but oh, I was going to sure, say, I'm sure she'll undercharge, yeah. I should maybe get charged a lot because uh, at that graduation party, what a fantastic, uh, uh, that food, cart or truck or whatever it was. My gosh, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, the, we should uh, put a shout out to those guys. They were the Med Box Grill for Mediterranean, oh. and they, they're they out of, I believe, Chanhassen. And I'll tell you what, if you're having a party and you guys want a food truck, these guys are, they come early, they prepped everything fresh right there on spot. And I didn't have one person that said anything other than, oh my God, that was fantastic. Um, what, what did you try, Chris, by the way? Uh, the it was kind of like a wrap. It looked like a burrito, but it was a a euro a, that euro thing. I don't know, but it wasn't in a pita shell. But it wasn't a wrap. But it was, but it was really, really good. He said that's actually a Turkish um, a bread that they mm. they use like a burrito. So it's like instead of a big pita, they wrap up a euro um, into a uh, into a burrito, and it was gosh. They, they had- me, I didn't tell you this, but they handed me. At the end of the day, they said, hey, we made you four of these just for so you can enjoy them. And they handed me the bag. And I'm not kidding you, with four euros in there, that bag weighed 10 pounds. I know. That was nice. It was awesome. They were so a med box grill. My wife actually had three meals out of the one thing she got. It was like a, a bowl with, uh, I mean, she was, she she wanted to sa- savor it. So good job, yeah. Andy. Well, that was, that was all Lisa and, and Hannah. So, yeah. All right. So moving forward, um, let's see here. Actually, we're getting equity. Basically, what this is saying that is getting equity, and this is exactly what we're seeing. Um, yep. And it's some of the troubles with uh, appraisals because it is shooting up so much. But this is definitely a case of not much on the market, and with low interest rates, people are saying, you know what? Last last month, this house would have cost us more. Um, and we can pay 20,000 more. It'll cost us less to be able to own this thing. And so yeah. that, I think that's, what's kind of happening. Well, look here too, Chris, the, uh, the retirement communities, you got down in Florida, the average property is at 9,000. And then you look, look over here in our old Arizona, 
an average of $20,000 of equity gained per property. So that's a lot of that empty nester pressure, I suppose, retiring ahead in Arizona. I've actually helped two families so far this year where we've sold their properties and actually they're heading to Arizona for permanent, because um, they want a nicer property. Instead of having two smaller properties, having one, you know, a little more executive level home was- I think it's another very interesting uh, stat here is I always look at, oh, go back. I always look at these, um, you know, you look at the coast to kind of determine what's going to probably happen, you know, because yeah. we follow after that quite a while. But look at New York. I mean, it's like that that's going, I mean, really staying pretty flat, which is uh, normally you'd see some other places around there. I mean, it's what, 10 to 15,000. But then yeah. California stuns me too, uh, where I didn't think it would be as much as uh, it is right there because of a lot of the issues they're having, even Washington. So I, whatever. Whatever's happening in Idaho, keep it going, guys. Yeah, Must I think be that's good people in the potato business moving. right now, huh? I think that's people moving there with low inventory, getting kind of just moving over a little to the West Coast. I've heard Idaho, in the hills. Yeah, I heard yeah. Idaho is kind of a big place for that. So, all right, can I press a button? Well, you can move to the next one. Thank you. Um, hey, before we get to last week's questions, actually, Chris, we got a couple live ones here. Um, uh, let's see here. Does a room on a lake require as much staging? as other homes or a home on the lake, I should say, requires yes. much staging as other properties. Yes. I don't think you, I mean, uh, staging is getting them to feel the lifestyle, you know? I mean, if you're going to block windows to the lake, well, that's a problem, but uh, yeah. I don't I don't know what less staging means. Does that mean, hey, I don't have to put some stuff in some bedrooms? That's like in all houses, sometimes you don't have to do that. Right. I mean, to me, if you have a completely vacant home, you want to make sure the ma- the main floor and the master are done. Those those are the kind of the the core of it, or none. But mm-hmm. you don't have to absolutely do every single room. You know, point. one of the things I would suggest too is um, I've had properties where when people come in the front door, it's kind of a natural gravitation to go towards the big windows. So clearing a path to make sure that there's an easy route to get to. So they're, they're, you know what I mean? You open up the front doors like, oh my gosh, look at that great view of the pool or the, the woods or whatever. And a lot of times people will go straight in right to that view and they just stand there and they absorb the space. And then when they turn around, that's the staging that has to be in play, right? So the backyard sells itself or whatever the view is. And then when they turn around to look at the house, they want to be just as wowed. And so that's maybe where the staging can go is the view coming from the window, looking back, you know, at the house and, um, for, for, for I can't tell you how many times I've gone over to houses and maybe they've met me in the yard and we start talking and then maybe we go through the, the garage and go into the house and let's go this way or whatever, or walk around the yard and come through the back. And uh, I always have to go back to the front door yep. and get that initial feel because I got to walk through that door, walking up to the door and through that door because that's everyone's first impression. That's what's going to set the stage for everything else, just like you said. And so yeah. what is it that, what, what are you trying to get them to, there's, there's positives and there's challenges. And what we want to do is we want to stress the positives and then bring those challenges down or try to eliminate as many as you can. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to eliminate right. them, but, but what you can do is make the positives better. And then that's what they concentrate on. And then they justify it. Good advice. Good advice. Okay. We had one more question here. Um, does a room, uh, or excuse me, that I read that one. Um, when doing a streamline refi, 
with the same company are their closing costs? We're not mortgage guys, but let, you want to try to answer that? Um, it depends. <laughs> I mean, the title companies usually got to get paid, but uh, sometimes what the mortgage companies are able to do is they'll streamline and just say, hey, you're at 4%, we'll give you 3.3%. And in that 3.3%, they're getting some extra closing money from um, where they're selling it off to, which can pay for those closing costs. So yeah, so sometimes there is zero cost. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that the, you know, that you're a million percent correct with, uh, it's all it's all a game. It's a shell game. They have to make money. When people tell you, oh, we don't charge closing costs, then usually you're paying a higher rate, right? Yeah. Um, or if you have a higher rate, you have no closing costs. So it's, it's a balance between the two, for sure. Okay, so let's dive into last week's questions. We had some people that um, sent us questions on uh, Facebook. Um, Chris, what is the best day and time to hold an open house? I'll tell you what, uh, typically I've always been uh, a Sunday person. Uh, I've liked Sundays just because historically I think that's where people, um, it's a day of rest and, and it's a time that maybe they get together and, 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 and go look. So, and typically a lot more people are having open houses. So the more there is, the more they can go out and see. And then I, it depends, timing, time is a depender. Uh, we had a lot of good uh, results in the last year from 11 to one. We used to always go from 12 to two. And I think the longer you go, um, if you set the precedence that, hey, we're just going to be here for this time, they'll come during that time. If you put it this time, then they got, they could just go to another open house in the meantime. So to me, it's kind of like, you don't have to hold it open 12 hours in a day, you know? So sometimes you'll just get people that are, well, whatever, well, we'll just stop through because it, it yeah. was open. So we, we were just um, actually dealing with this last week, uh, a person that was getting ready to sell their house and they had some house concern or health with um, not wanting just a, a lot of people in frequently um, and so they were, they were talking about, and I thought this was a fantastic idea that we put together for them was, um, having a, uh, there's no showings during the week. There would only be showings on Saturdays between nine and 11. And, you know, that's when the house is open for viewing and, and then we can sanitize when we're done. And, um, I, I really liked it. I mean, I think that it's, if somebody's serious about a property, they're going to come on a Saturday. Um, or Thursday or whatever, you know, they're going to figure it out. And if there's no showings per se, and that everybody's concentrated into one window, it just goes to show that we're getting innovative with the industry. Um, people are trying to do some new things to accommodate people's concerns. And that's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Being as flexible as you can, though, is still the best policy. I mean, when you can't do stuff, you have to figure it out. I mean, only having a house, being able to go from a nine to 11, could frustrate a lot of buyers uh, as well. And uh, like they're, they're not going to come And but these are things that we talk about. I mean, Hey, if you want to sell it, this is the choice that we have, then we have to deal with it. You know, then at that point, and I'm sure you're doing it, uh, you're doing a lot better uh, video tours and um, more in depth uh, kind of really looking at the house versus a, a marketing piece. There might be a, a piece that really goes into it and shows you you know, hey, their 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 crank out their casement crank out windows, or hey, right. here's the it's a forced air furnace, and where you wouldn't normally put that in, but maybe you'd see that you'd show the mechanical room a lot closer. Uh, maybe have a floor plan for people, and uh, you know, plans and as much information as you possibly can in lieu of being able to get inside. Well, you know, and Chris and you and I both, I'll tell you what that uh, that's very true, and I think that it shows 
the the diversity of marketplaces we've seen. Um, I'll tell you the the right now it's a seller's market. You can you can play games um, with the rules like I'm talking. Like hey, here's when you can see it, or you don't get to see it at all. And there's six people that show up and they fight over it. Um, yeah. In a in a in a buyer's market, you you have to not only be accommodating, you have to almost bend over backwards, like you're saying, where you're going overboard with information and providing all the resources. And and then the buyers um, when they're buying properties seem to feel more comfortable making decisions. Um, I see when you provide more information like you're talking about, a lot less flack with home inspections or, you know, uh, when it, it comes back, there's a clean list versus 15 honeydew list things on a, on a home inspection. Um, they're coming back with the, hey, clean the furnace, make sure it's safe and we're, we're good to go, you know, yeah. so. Yep. What are the advantages of continuing to rent rather than buying, Chris Rooney? Uh, that you're flexible. Uh, but, you know, that's not necessarily true either because uh, you, you do have a lease and that's called a contract and you can break it and it can hurt your your uh, uh, your credit rating. But I guess what I'm saying that it's more or less, hey, you, if you're not going to be able to, uh, you got to put it on the market, you got to have a realtor sell it. There is closing costs to do that. Um, it, it might be just a little easier. I mean, maybe you could sublease it, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, a certain advantage is not uh, cost. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I Maybe think if repairs, it, but. And, and spin it the other way, you know, as a seller, if you have a, a tenant, um, you know, just to show you how powerful leasing is or renting, that, that tenant law rides above um, the contract. So you sell your house and you have a one-year contract, that person has the rights to remain in that property, regardless if you sell it, unless they change the terms of that contract. So there is um, a lot to be thought, you know, when you're when you're an investor and you own a property um, that is a uh, a rental for you. Having those contracts when you start, or as a renter, I guess I should say, since we're talking rental, um, if a renter has a, a, a landlord that says we want to go month to month, that's because they're probably thinking about selling that property, right? And and so you got to be a little be aware that they may just give you that thirty day notice to get out. So yeah. if somebody says we'd like to sign you to a three year deal. Well, that'd be nice too, but then you're there for three years. And so that commitment is for three years, um, unless you get, you know, subtenant or get out of the, the situation. But it is a, uh, it, it, you're right, it is it is a contract. Yeah, I've been talking with someone. I think it's uh, kind of interesting because I've been talking to this person uh, about selling and they're, you know, but they're a little nervous about, they love their house and they don't want to, but they know they you know, want some space and someone wants some storage and things like that. And I think what's interesting about it is I, I went to them and said, Hey, why don't you do this then? Why don't you just rent your house, your existing house? Cause you can then always go back to it if you have to. Sure. And they're like, yeah, that, that actually makes sense. I mean, obviously that's not going to be a, a sale for me, but it's going to get them to move on to the next part, rent out their house, which is, I mean, you can have your pick of the litter with rentals because there's, uh, especially in the upper bracket market in the 3,500 a month, uh, the 4,000 range, uh, there's people that need to rent in that range and there's just nothing available for them. So uh, it was just, it's kind of, a, again, we got to come up with uh, solutions for people uh, to be able to help them get into the next uh, phase of their life. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's hedging your bet a little and hanging on you know, to it, maybe get in the equity line, do a maybe doing a cash out refinance, take that money, move it over your payment, which was 
you know, say you owe 200,000 and put 400,000 on it, but your rates went way down. Maybe your payment's just a little more. It's a money maker because of the rent. Now you got money to buy the new house and uh, getting money, getting money at 3%. I'm telling you, you don't get that, you know, right. <laughs> borrow it and use it. I was going to say, our, our uh, we've got our one of our loyal uh, followers here, Greg, checking in the show today. And I tell you what, I've seen more up on my, in, he's from Alexandria, where, you know, we've got a place up there. And you're seeing in Alexandria um, where people are renting out for the summer. They're literally doing June, July, and August. And they're getting five, six grand a month for these cabins that are not worth five or six grand a month. But these people are like, hey, we want to spend the summer at the lake. And they spend their 15 grand on rent. And then they uh, they go back to wherever they go, and and then uh, you know it, it's it's real interesting how this bracketed or um, you know I don't say fractional rentals, but it's they're short term. They're not the VRBOs because they're doing a three month lease. Um, there there's a lot of creative ways people are trying to get around, um, you know. And then they're also just trying to hey, do we like lake life in Brainerd or do we like lake life in Alexandria? What's it like in the summer here? And do we like the lake? Do we like the, you know, the people do we, before they buy? So um, it's actually kind of an interesting new arena that I'm seeing come to the market here. So. Yeah. And it's just like you said, they're buying those rental or getting those rental cabins for way over um, what we consider fair value. But uh, I, yeah. I have a friend that's looking for a boat right now in that kind of that 80 to 120,000. I mean, spending that much money on a boat. I'm like, what? I mean, and you can't Not get hard. One. You can't get one though. And it's like they're, they go there and then, Oh, it's gone. That one's gone. Oh, maybe we have one coming in. I mean, people are trading in those, those, those cheap ones and getting 200, $300,000 ones. It's going crazy, but people are looking for something that, you know, during this time, it's it's just, it's very interesting. That uh, I, I would love to be friends with your friends, Chris. Okay. Yeah. We're really good right. friends now. As long as I, yeah, I was going to say, you'd become my best friend if you had a, a nice boat <laughs> like that. Um, how, how do I deal with neighbors that leave their yard messy? I am trying to sell my house and I don't want their yard uh, bringing down the value of my house. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm actually, um, I've had that happen more than once. Um, a couple of years back in Ham Lake, we had a property that I'm not joking with you. I think the guy collected wash machines. They were up and down his driveway and he had a couple used cars in his yard and when I called the city, it was interesting is that the city uh, code enforcement official, she said, you know, nobody's ever turned him in. And I, I, we don't drive around looking for violators to just write tickets to. She goes, nobody's ever called on this guy. So we made one phone call and it was amazing how they gave him 30 days to get all the stuff out of his yard. Or he was going to start getting penalized and boom, boom, boom. The city did a fantastic job. And all of a sudden we had, you know, our, our collection of 30 wash machines gone. Um, cause it absolutely was going to affect the property value of the house we were selling. I think the, the other thing to kind of watch out for is if you make that stink with the neighbor that could become worse. Well, that's uh, why I told, I always tell my customers, blame me, say my, oh, my realtor so picky. I'm like, that's my job. I don't care if he likes me. You know what I mean? I, anyway. Yeah. There's I mean, a, the, you know, the, the messy neighbor, not the customer, the customer I like to like me there, there, and there's a little, um, thing in there too uh you gotta keep an eye on is uh you know disclosing uh certain things uh that you know might in, in affect their enjoy uh, enjoyment and use of that property and uh if you have someone I, I always go back to the the old uh 
Chevy Chase movie, Funny Farm. And when he moved in, it was the most idyllic place ever, the cutest, greatest town. Well, they were all bought off by the seller, you know, to make it look good so they could sell the place. And then uh, he found out what it was really like and had to get the heck out of there. And then tried to, you know, they were screwing up the sale. And then all of a sudden they got him on board. But I mean, there's something about that, you know. uh, Yeah, that was like my, my, uh, be careful. My son frequently makes me watch the Step Brothers movie. Yeah. Where they sabotage their parents' sale. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. So, you know, the other thing is, is obviously with, with storage outside can bring critters, um, raccoons, mice, um, woodchucks, you name it. So um, just understanding that that that's what, or, or gophers, that's one of the other things too. When you see, oh, the neighbor's got a, a gopher problem, unless they get rid of those gophers, you're going to have a gopher problem too. You know, and you see that a lot with acreage where you see the trail, like just like on Caddyshack running through the old golf course. And it's like, oh, you know. Well, there's, so. there's some also things that you can do that, um, if you have a neighbor that just, it's just the way they are, you know, and some people are, that's just what they are. Yeah. Um, there might be some money invested in fencing or, uh, trees, you know, to kind of separate you and, and give yourself a little more uh, privacy. So you're not looking at that there you um, go. because I think sometimes you, uh, you know, but I'll tell you what, here's, I think the biggest thing is that us as real estate professionals that have been through this many, many times, and we do this all the time, it's our job to let the seller know that kind of stuff. And a lot of people don't until it's too late. And all of a sudden when you have that and it's been sitting for 90 days, then people start thinking, you know, this is the greatest market in the history of ever sellers. And why isn't their house sold? I mean, it's crazy. It looks really nice. There's something wrong. And then they start searching for it. And then when they find it, it just, it tumbles. Uh, We had a Facebook question. Uh, It says, uh, how much wood can a woodchuck chuck? Oh, you know, I never do the answer to that question. Do you? A lot. Okay. They, they're horrible. Okay. All right. And they're mean to be careful. Um, okay. As a, I, I'm a, I am an agent and I want to know how you found your niche and what are some ideas to help others, other real estate agents find their niche? Oh, um, do you have a niche, Andy? Yeah. What is it? Uh, new construction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that niche, I mean, I'm going to answer that question because you have a serious passion for it and a background right. in it and you grew up in it. Right. I love, I don't feel like I'm working. I, right. you know, I've, I've even said that oftentimes I said, I don't know if I'd be a real estate agent if I wouldn't have had that draw to the new construction side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I probably would have been a landscaper or something different. I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know. Yeah. No, no, it's uh, yeah. So it comes with passion. Um, I think mine is, is creating value, you know, whether that's in whatever house it is. I mean, uh, they say I'm a lakeshore and luxury home specialist, but uh, I think that just, I, I think that's come because um, I understand, you know, what those people are looking for as far as uh, a lifestyle and then being able to get those things into that house to be able to create the value and, uh, and make it better. But that's, whether that's it, I mean, I just listed a $239,000 house, you know, it's still got the same different things that you have to overcome, you know, for that type of buyer. But in every price range, they expect different things. And you have to be able to um, bring that to the table. And that's why you get paid. And some... Well, you know, and I think I found that too, is that I, I, um, I, I've made that same exact comment. My average sale price over the years is 
continually uh, gone higher and higher. And it's just it's the it's just the the customers you meet and the customers take you with them. But it's the um, I, I think there's also that that first time seller or the the more modest you know properties that are out there that are you know they're three bedroom two bath they're you know eleven hundred square foot and that's the bread and butter of of our real estate market really I mean that two hundred and seventy thousand dollar sale is the majority of the houses in the cities and so. I think what you're kind of saying, Chris, is too, is that, you know, when the customer comes to you for your expertise and your value of being a real estate agent, I don't really put a, uh, much thought into what the price of the house is. Um, I got over that when I started in the business. Like you and I joked about this. I, I could sell a trailer. I don't care. I'd, I'd sell a, a, a $5 million house and I, I'd, I'd still give that customer the same respect and value, but it, it, it's different. Different buttons need to be pushed in certain price ranges or certain amenities than with others. And so just being able to recognize what needs to be done, I think is the real talent, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, finding, finding a niche is kind of the second part of that question. What are some ideas? Um, I think number one, I think you got to look at passion Um, because real estate is not one of those uh, businesses that you go eight to five Monday through Friday and then you're done. Yep. It's literally seven days a week at any time it could be. Now, there's advantages, too, that maybe on a Thursday and a Friday, you can go out of town, you know, because you yep. didn't do appointments. And so you can you can make that happen. But if you if you don't like it, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> so find a passion uh, that you do and then know about it and be the expert in that area. And I think some people say, well, geez, what I really like is, you know, three level homes with a three-quarter master bath. That's my specialty. Okay, that's great. You know everything about that three-level home, but whatever you learn about that three-level home and and that three-quarter bathroom, you're going to know why, hey, the reason we wanted a shower in there because of a tub, you know, you can bring that theory over to another place that's a walkout rambler, you know, And and I'm being kind of silly, but the point I'm making is that you can have a niche, but it can be expanded. You know, so if you're the Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist, but now I'm, I'm listing a $239,000 house, what, why is that? And how did that happen? And that it was interesting because the people said, well, I don't know if you'd want to do this. Well, they're past clients of mine and I've worked with their family. Of course, I'm going to help you. And we're going to do exactly what we normally do for uh, all of our listings. So it is funny you say that because I've had that same comment made to me too over the years. That, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think you'd want something this small. I'm like, yeah. I could care less. I love any property. You know, it's just, I love, I love moving real estate, but um, anyway, so kind of moving forward here. Um, let's see, let's add, I think we got one more there. Uh, what does it take to be a realtor? Um, what traits make a successful realtor? And I think you were kind of covering it there in your last section where we talked about not only having the retail perspective, right? Where you're, you work retail hours. So if you're a server, if you're, you know, in the car business, if you're in the retail clothes, whatever, those hours, if you can adapt to that lifestyle, number one, I think is is probably the biggest battle I see with, with real estate agents is where they have a conforming family that has normal nine to five business hours. And then you're trying to be a real estate agent. Usually the family wins and that person will have to find another position. Unless your whole family subscribes to it or everybody in the family's in that business, they'll support you and say, yep, I get it. It's Friday night, but um, we had the last three nights at the cabin tonight, go out and help that customer buy that house. And that that's because that's what it takes to be successful 
is that that commitment. But what yeah. what do you think, Chris? Traits wise, what do you mean? You know, or what do you think by the integrity? Uh, by the I think integrity is something that's uh, been kind of uh, pushed to the side with a lot of the internet stuff. Uh, but I think uh, integrity is the one thing people people refer people that make them look good and that they trust. And if you're constantly fighting for your business over the internet and trying to just get leads and uh, going from one to the next, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a long and uh, uh, unglorious career. So the more that you can get uh, your phone ringing from other people that you've taken care of and done good for them, uh, I think that's uh, most important. I agree. Um, the, uh, you know, when it comes down to the, um, the real estate industry in general, it, it's a, uh, it, integrity, I think is the most important thing. So if you, you get that, somebody's coming to you, just like the perspective of a dentist or a doctor or a counselor, they're coming to you looking or seeking something. And that value and that service that you provide to them is key. Cause I, like, I listen to some of these new, and I, as I cross my arms and get defensive, I hear some of these like radio ads today. And there was just a new one the other day that said, Hey, we'll list your house for $5,000. Let the internet sell your house. Don't pay real estate fees. And I'm like, oh my God, what a joke. You know, that five grand you pay on a 200, let's say you have a 200, your friend that's selling their house for 239. Do the math on it. I mean, that's like five and a half percent selling fee. It's not like it's even a good deal unless you're selling a house that's 350 or higher, number one. But number two, the internet doesn't sell your house, guys. The positioning, the marketing, the getting everything ready is what sells your house. It's all the stuff that goes to getting that photo ready to put out there is what you're paying for. And then the real estate agent that provides that service, it helps you create value higher than what it really is, understands more than just the house. They understand the neighborhood. They understand the, the, the schools, the sporting systems or the clubs that are close for, for uh, working out or for the kids. That's what makes somebody go from it's just another house to now this is my new home. And that's where people will pay more for a home than they will for a house. So, you know, it's not a commodity. And everybody keeps trying to make real estate a commodity. And it drives me crazy because it is and it isn't at the same time. Wow. I, I just had to get that off my chest uh, before my whiskey dumps out of my cup. <laughs> I remember, I, I always remember when we were on the radio, uh, these, I, I could see it coming, ready to come. And I'm like, I would I just, just start shaking. <laughs> Wait, slow down, slow down. <laughs> no. And they immediately put their finger on the dump button because they're waiting for me to start swearing. I think that's everything. There's a, a special on Channel 11, a two-part series about, you know, buyer's agents and not paying them and all that fun stuff. And, um, you know, I look at it and I just say, you know what, there's some people and I'm not, there's just different values. Some people want to go to Snap Fitness. Some people want to go to Lifetime. You know, I mean, if you look at those two, I mean, you just spend a lot less. It's what you want and what's good for you. So if it is good for you and $5,000 or even try to sell by yourself, that's fantastic. You should go for it. But I think it's our job to be able to show them why we're worth it. So if you can't show value, I mean, if, if you don't have any value, just throw it on the MLS. You should get paid. You should right. get paid a lot. I, but a million if you have value, yeah. I mean, so it just kind of depends. And I mean, we deal with that all the time and we're always talking. It's usually a, a percent difference. And uh, the, the fact is, is that you got to justify $5,000 more, $10,000 more. And, and what is it that you do that's going to do it? But I'll tell you what, 1% in the real estate transaction goes like that in negotiations and setting yep. it up and pre-planning. It's like that. You know, 3% people, ask, like it's no big deal. Hey, you got to pay the buyer's closing costs. That's 3%. 
You could right. have a lot more if I could have negotiated that out. Well, and, and who who wants to hire a real estate company that can't demonstrate that they can negotiate themselves? I mean, my God, that's 101 in, in real estate is defending your client. And if you sit there and you're like, oh, I have no value. Here's my low fee. You sell on, I, I go for cheap. Guess what they're going to do when an offer comes in? You should take it. That's what your house is worth. Go with the low offer. Quick, take it. Get out of the business. You know, anyway, um, I don't want to go on a tangent about that, but I do, I do think that our industry... Um, has tremendous value for a lot of reasons. It's just a matter of understanding what those reasons are. And I, I always say the best way to shop a real estate agent is to say, I'm going to pay 7%. What are you going to do in marketing? What are you going to do to help me get my house ready for, for sale for better value? And then at the end of the day, um, you know, what do you think my house will sell for based on all that being done? And you may net 50 grand more on your house. You know, again, you know, it's, it's all comes down to how much effort you want to put in or what you don't want to put in. And then what is the real estate agent going to do for you? Because I've I've done deals for 1% before where, you know, two brothers, they want to buy mom's cabin. One already owns it. One wants to buy it. We just do the transaction for them. I added no value other than just doing the paperwork. So I charged appropriately. On the other hand, if we were trying to sell a three, $4 million house and you need to have 100, 150,000 for advertising, um, I've seen it where, you know, these shows like this uh, um, listing LA, no, I'm telling you, the, those houses that are listed at 28 million and whatever, they're not showing you the exact truth. They show the snapshot of the commission and they show that agent driving a Bentley. Most of those Bentleys are rented and those agents that are coming up to those houses are on retainers. And what they do is they get advertising retainers on the front end to market those $30 million houses or $15 million houses. They'll get a 30, 40, $50,000 retainer upfront paid for advertising and then they'll do it for one or 2% for their time. Not the other payout, not the other whatever. So it's it's if you break it down, actually, I, that's why when you and I go out to those R4, the Remax does a big international show. I'm always asking everybody, how do you get paid? How do you get paid? What's happening in your market? Because I'm always looking for the next innovative way to provide value. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, you know, real we, quick, there's one ahead. question that just came in. Um, what direction do you guys see new construction going? And is this election year going to affect it? What do you think? Oh, me? Yeah, I think new construction will say solid. It's going to be, though, um, we're, we're still way down on our numbers, you guys. Back when um, the housing crisis hit, they changed the way they calculated the, the new construction numbers. They skewed it with putting apartment doors in there. So when they say we've built 10,000 units, 5,000 of those could be apartments, you know, individual apartment doors. So they're dwellings. They're not So a 100-unit apartment building counts as 100 houses. So it's, it's the numbers are skewed. We are still way, way, way down. Um, there's a ton of demand on luxury um, or the, you know, I'd say the probably the 500,000 plus. Um, there's going to be a struggle for sure under, um, you know, that number. The land prices are high. Um, I'm seeing a, a, a pretty, pretty substantial demand uh, or supply even being put back onto the building of townhouses and consumers buying them again. But I'm telling you, these townhouses, I just had a customer of mine buy a townhouse in Brooklyn Park um, for Mm $330,000. And and I used to see those houses selling for one thirty-five dollars eight years ago. So to me, I'm like, well, where do you want to put your money? And I I remember when um, you guys probably, some of you remember when, uh, what was it? Um, Rotland Homes was around. And Rotland used to build the coolest set of townhouses you've ever seen. They were you know, these, you know, the same building again and again and again and again. 
And that Rowland townhouse, they kind of commoditized the market a little bit. And so you started seeing where townhouses were not appreciating at the same rate single family homes were. They actually were kind of capped because they were producing at the new price for the same price you try to sell it for. And people preferred new over existing. So I always warn people a little bit that, you know, the, the multi, um, you know, they're still single family, but townhouses can, can peak um, faster if there's lots of them being built. But I don't know if you need a house, and you want something new, that might be the only affordable option. Yeah. And I think there's a part about the election in there and uh, you know, consumer confidence is what drives this market. And if people feel good about the economy or don't feel good about it, that's what kind of gets things going and, and not going. Right. So uh, that's the factor I always look at, but I also think, you know, new construction right now is really creating some of our, creating inventory that we need. Yeah. Um, you go look at a, an area that you take Lakeville, for example, and you pull up four to 600,000, there might be 52 listings in there uh, between that thing, but there's seven of them that you can actually go see and buy. Uh, a lot of them are to be built and opportunities yep. for people. Yep. And then, you know, and then there's builders that are doing, you know, some incentives, like you were giving away free basements, uh, you know, and how many, I mean, you guys signed a bunch of purchase agreements on that. 23. And yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. So anyways, good promo. Yeah. Hey, next Who week. Knew you had start. to give away a $40,000 basement. And you'd sell a bunch of houses. I, I didn't know. <laughs> so you're paying to build them. But other than that, it's a great thing. We're um, losing about 50,000 a house, but it's worth it. It's yeah, exactly. Uh, the, we are uh, next week. Uh, we had 12 shows of Andy producing our show and uh, we were, we were never on time once. Oh, so, so sorry. But uh, I think we're going to go another route and uh, bring in Amplify. Uh, pretty excited about that, Courtney. I've been always used my handy time stopper here, Chris, to run my, oh. my uh, all my uh, meetings are run through my scheduler here. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Anyways, um, do you have cars over there above your sign? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are oh. my little uh, toy cars. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of things. That Here's are my 71 uh, Chevy. <laughs> All right. Anyways, next week, we're going to be... Uh, the big uh, one's in the garage below. We're going to be back, and uh, it's going to be... We'll see what happens. Are you, are you are you ending the show for me? I think so. Okay. Hey, guys. Well, tune in. Um, again, if you like us, follow us on the Facebook page. We do have a big producer uh, coming in next week, uh, Courtney, and um, she'll be starting up, and Maria, um, those two are going to be helping us promote the show, um, turning this into a podcast as well. So, um, we'll actually have um, a few episodes behind us, um, and so we can uh, try to get back on the airwaves, as they say. So, Isn't it going on iTunes and stuff too? I think eventually, yeah, not yet, but it will. We'll introduce that probably next week once they load a couple shows. Um, we'll give her a week. Our back shows, and then they're gonna. Um, we're gonna continue to do the Facebook Live, but it's the the audio is what's gonna be cut and actually used for for a podcast. So um, we're probably gonna add a little more production to it where there's going to be a little more like, I don't know, not pauses with getting your screen up or the music cute or hopefully it'll be nice. No, it's really, you, you did a great job. Thank you. That's why we're hiring someone else. But anyways, uh, have a wonderful day, everyone. All right, everybody. 
See you later. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.